Hi, my name is Amir Mamdani, and I'd like to welcome you all to The River Rundown, a podcast produced by the Harvard Crimson, focusing on the state of Harvard athletics amidst the pandemic. On today's episode of The River Rundown, I sit down with former Harvard men's basketball players, Christian Juzang and Robert Baker, to talk about their professional careers in Vietnam and Slovakia and life after Harvard. We touch on Juzang's Vietnamese Basketball Association Championship, his brother Johnny's remarkable March Madness run to the Final Four, as well as Christian's deal with Nike. Rob shares insights from his exposure to the NBA draft process and his introduction to Slovakian basketball, all following the abrupt cancellation of their senior season last March as the pandemic broke out. Thank you for listening. Juzang and Baker both graduated Harvard last year in the class of 2020 after four years of Harvard basketball. After finishing the regular season 21-8, and the Harvard men's team was set to face off against Princeton in the semifinals of last season's Ivy League tournament hosted at home in Levitis Pavilion. Thank you guys for taking time out of your Sundays to, to talk with me. Not a problem, man. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Juzang is a 6'2 point guard who made 18 starts his senior season, playing in 25 of the team's 29 games. Baker is a 6'11 center and power forward who made 26 starts and played in all 29 games of Harvard's season. So you guys are both abroad, which I know because coordinating this Zoom with the different time zones was pretty challenging. But on a high level, can you guys maybe talk a little bit just about, before getting too much into the details, what you guys have been up to in the last 13 months since the pandemic and, and maybe telling telling us where you guys are? Maybe we start with you, Christian. It was nice to get home for a little bit and let everything process best as I guess we could. Got to stand, uh, you know, stay at home and uh, up until about September. And that's when I headed out here. Actually, Bake got to come out here and visit me. Mm-hmm. He got to come to L.A. for a little bit, maybe for like a week or so. And so that was really, really fun. Uh, right before I left off. So I left in September, got here, had to do a two-week quarantine. And then basically jumped into the heat of a season. Uh, I had to just kind of figure things out as I went. And that was like a really, really cool process. So when you say when you say here, you're you're playing in the Vietnamese Basketball Association. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, really fun experience. We got to win a championship in my first year. And then now I've transitioned. That kind of provided some closure for me, given how the the you know, our senior season ended, given COVID and stuff. So now I get to transition out of basketball, which has been a fun experience over the last couple of months, and now working in the fintech space out here, which is really, really interesting. Awesome. Juzang was drafted with the number one overall pick in the 2020 Vietnamese Basketball Association draft to the defending champion Saigon Heat, who went on to win the VBA championship this past year for the second straight season. He led the league with 5.8 assists, was fourth in the league in scoring, averaging over 21 points per game, and helped Saigon defend and secure back-to-back championships. And what about you, Bake? Yeah, so let's go March 15th, just, you know, finish school and all that stuff, and then right after... Right after I turned like my final paper, I hired an agent and tried to uh, do the the NBA draft. Well, did the NBA draft process with hopes to get to the G League, and that didn't that didn't work out how we wanted to. Uh, so we kind of had to you know regroup, shift, shift our focus elsewhere. The process kind of took way longer than than I thought it would coming out here to uh, Slovakia, but we eventually found a, a team looking for a big, and my agent called me. I was actually on vacation. I was in Miami on vacation. 
I get a call and tell me you're going to Slovakia. <laughs> and that, <laughs> honestly, bro, that's not what you're trying to hear when you're in Miami. <laughs> Having a great time. <laughs> you're going to Slovakia and, what was this? Hats around the world or whatever, but yeah, bro, it was it was crazy, it was crazy, crazy turn, but <laughs> uh, it is what it is. I'm here making the most out of it, having a great time, meeting a lot of new people. And yeah, now what? We're about halfway halfway through my time here, and uh, about hit heading the playoffs. Awesome. Well, well, we'll talk a little bit about more about Slovakia and and how that may or may not be different from Miami and Cambridge and all other parts <laughs> of the U.S. Baker's team, Iskra Spit currently sit in fourth place in the Slovakian Extraliga. With the playoffs approaching, Baker is one of four Americans on the team, splitting court time with players from the Pac-12's University of Washington, Portland State, and Southern New Hampshire University. Baker is averaging over 14 points and seven rebounds per game in the Extraliga. But um, I don't know, not to dwell too hard on this, but now that it's been over a year, can you guys maybe briefly talk us through some of like what the what those feelings were like last spring and kind of just you know supposed to host the ivy league tournament and obviously a lot of hopes and expectations and just kind of having senior year kind of cut that way maybe start with you christian yeah for sure i mean i'm not sure there's another way to put it aside from like devastating and i think that there were some as things started to pan out it became the feelings came contextualized you know, as other things started to shut down. I think that there was an extra emphasis on it because we were the first league to get shut down. So we didn't understand the full scale of this thing. So I think that made it even worse. Those feelings became somewhat validated, I think, when when everything else happened. But at the same time, regardless, it was hard, man. It was a hard pill to swallow just given how we felt like it was finally our year to get over the hump. And so to be right on the cusp of something as you've worked four years for it. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's heartbreaking. You know what I'm saying? So I, I'll never forget. I've got the news. I think I was in Blodgett pool and coach Soski came in there and I was rehabbing my ankle. I didn't, I, I didn't get to play that last game cause I was injured. So yeah, I don't think I'll ever forget that moment, but I think that uh, there's this communal feeling, not only from our team, but that whole 2020 class that'll end up, Anytime you see each other, there's like this, almost this lack of, of closure that I think that'll actually bring everyone together. So I think that's a really unique, unique positive thing that came out of it. Rob, what do you? Yeah, what do you, man. Um, let me see. So I found out that we wasn't we weren't playing. Uh, I was going to an exam. I was going to a, yeah, going to my midterm, and I look at my phone like you know, turn it off before the test or whatever, and. I forgot we're not playing it. My mind is, you know, I'm not focused on this test at all. Didn't do good on it either. And then, yeah, I mean, it's it was it's one of the tougher things that I have to think about. I had to think about like uh, being home and stuff, and it's just going through my mind what could have happened, what would have been, how it, our careers could have went such and such a way if such and such happened, and it was it was a lot to think about. But you just gotta put it, you just gotta put it to bed, bro. I had to do it, but. Probably like two months after that, I tried to just just focus, move on to the next thing. And a year later, can't believe it's been a year, bro. It's so fast. Have you guys had time to kind of watch March Madness, like be a part of that? Uh, obviously, we're gonna talk about your brother a little bit, Christian. Gotta give him a shout out. Yeah. Big big game later today against Alabama. But um, have you guys had time, or 
between the between all the sleeping you've been doing bake, there isn't there aren't enough hours in the day to catch some. <laughs> Practice twice a day. I'm not doing a lot of TV like I used to. <laughs> but um, no, I watched a little bit. I watched uh, the first round games. Like I saw Loyola Chicago, uh, the the point center that the people were raving about. He was he was good. I like his game. Oh Baylor, yeah, Baylor got some, they got some dogs on that team. I I, I wouldn't want to play them at all. Man, it's been a it's been a roller coaster while watching him play. It's nothing that we have like Bake was around this summer and I think anyone around Johnny knows how hard he works and how disciplined he is. So to kind of see it all come to light under like the biggest stage is just as a brother, the coolest thing in the world. And so I've been up here I've, I've middle of the night waking up to watch the games and I've been doing it I've been I've been used to it though cuz I had to do it for Bryce and Seth throughout the whole season and obviously my brother. So it's just been a. It's just been such a cool ride, man. Hopefully, they got another one in like eight hours. I want to, yeah, eight hours against Alabama. So super, super excited. I'm gonna wake the whole building up. Christian's brother Johnny is a sophomore guard at UCLA after transferring from the University of Kentucky after his freshman season. At the time of this interview, UCLA was about to play Alabama in the Sweet 16. In the week since, Juzang and UCLA have been on a remarkable Cinderella run to the Final Four. UCLA defeated Alabama in an instant classic overtime game, and Juzang led the Bruins by playing every single minute of the contest and scoring 17 points. Juzang's star rose even further in the Elite Eight against Michigan, when he scored 28 of the team's 51 points in their two-point win against the number one seeded Wolverines. Prior to the Final Four, Christian flew to Indianapolis from Vietnam, surprising Johnny and creating a viral ESPN clip. Although Johnny, who scored 29 points, and UCLA's Cinderella run came up just short last night in the Final Four at the hands of an incredible overtime shot from Gonzaga's Jalen Suggs. Juzang and the Bruins were one of the greatest stories of the tournament and part of one of the greatest NCAA tournament games in history. Are you? Do you get like n- nervous when you watch? Like, are you stressed? Or are you just? Are you relaxed? Like, is it like watching another game? Or like, I, I mean, I, I can't imagine how I would feel. So I'm curious. Like, your brother's about to play in the Sweet 16. Like, what is that? And and as the star, as like let's be honest here, like he's been the star player of the team, you know, through the run. Like, what are the, what are the emotions like from like a fan? Now that you're like a fan, right? You can't control the outcome. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I mean, I try my best to just be a fan, but it feels as if so. I have, I mean, my whole family, like it's a village, man. You got everyone flew to Indianapolis, people just congregating, and then there's me across the world. So I just feel like I'm connected. It feels like I'm there, and I'm screaming at a computer just going crazy for him man like i'm obviously on edge because you want them to get to the next round at all costs so i mean every mistake or turnover is magnified but at the same time every tough bucket down the stretch is magnified so i'm screaming at just about everything and my voice is gone and then i gotta pack it up and go to the office uh, with a hoarse <laughs> voice but yeah man i'm just i'm just excited to watch and, and see how long this thing you know they can make it this, this run last I mean, it's it's especially remarkable. Get you know they were playing in the first four. Like they, it wasn't even like they were around yeah. a sixty-four. Like they had to be. They had to, bad look. They had to, think they were supposed to beat. They had to beat a Michigan State team. I mean, UCLA, Michigan State. You know, obviously this has been a crazy year, but those are not the teams you expect yeah. to see in the first four. Know, but yeah, that's that's awesome, and it's been a wild ride for him too. You know, starting out at Kentucky, obviously playing for Coach Cal, and like making his way out back to your guys's backyard basically right and playing for ucla so i can't imagine what that's been like yeah i mean i think every experience happens for a reason that was such a good preparation for him and 
that's a shark tank over there. So it just, it just, as far as mentally and physically, I think it helped them out a lot. And then to obviously bring it back to the West coast and pack 12 and be in a situation where he obviously has more leash and rope. All about the It's just been a, it's just been a blessing. I think that's one of those serendipity moments that, you know, in the moment, you know, a year ago when it, when COVID shut down, he didn't know what he was going to do. And then now a year later to see where he's at right now, just another cool, cool story. On the topic of Harvard hoops, I guess, you know, as the beat writer for Harvard basketball, I've gotten to see a lot of this myself, but like, it's not a secret that, you know, coach Amaker in the program, you know, they try to expose you to stuff that's more than basketball, like just at your time at school. Right. Now you guys have had some time to kind of reflect on that. And, you know, you guys are away from Harvard doing your own things, playing professionally, work, living in different countries. How do you guys look back on kind of your time with the Harvard program as a whole, from a holistic perspective, some of the things you might have learned or taken away or experienced from that? Maybe start with you this time, Rob. Yeah, I mean, the, the people that he exposed us to is nothing that I ever imagined. You know, meet presidents and, and Supreme Court justices and heads of billion dollar um, organizations and at the top of the industry. It was, it was amazing, like so cool how he could just connect so many people from whatever industry you're, you're most interested in. Uh, and it's just up to you to you know, keep that connection going if you, if you so choose. Christian? Yeah, I think, I think Baker hit it on the head. Long story short, I mean, the best four years of, of my life, for sure, aside from all the, you know, the amazing teammates I had and the family culture that was there. The people that Coach Amaker exposed us to, like Bake said, I mean, you're talking to people leading Fortune 500 companies, people in politics, people doing amazing things in every sector. And I think that's the stuff that carries with you because now as, at least as I'm transitioning, my basketball stopping, you know, stopping bouncing right now. Like the the fact that Coach Amaker had made everything bigger than just basketball for our four years since the moment we stepped on campus translates like you said the lessons and some of the stories you hear and so now as you're trying to navigate your own journey ironically it's like across the world and stuff some of those stories still still stick with you and the lessons that they try to hand off to us and you know as much as there have been really cool experiences for you guys off the court you know i've know i've covered many incredible moments for you guys on the court whether it's you know playing at us unc or winning an nit game at georgetown a lot of cool stuff in, in your guys' four years. Do you guys have like any favorite basketball moments from your time at Harvard? It could be like a play, it could be a game, or just like an experience that you guys got to have. But I know that there's so much over the four years, so many different trips. And so I'm just curious, now that you guys have had some time away, if there's anything that really kind of sticks with you guys that you got to experience from an on-court perspective. That's such a hard should, question. I think man. my favorite was probably the, ga- the game, our last game at Yale. That was that was probably my favorite game because you know I was playing you know that was nice and, you know being in there such a such he a, was hitting some threes too <laughs> yeah playing playing well and just like a they were number one in the in the conference at the time stadium packed young people packed uh, it was it was it was crazy it was that was my favorite for sure I still think about that one yeah some of those Yale matchups are definitely my favorite. Um, especially because they had a bunch of L.A. guys on the team that I grew up with. So that was always like a fun and personal matchup. And then I got to say, maybe the Shanghai trip. That's when you got like, freshman, right? That's when we were freshmen. I think that was just like you kind of not take it for granted when you when we were there. 
it was just so much to soak in and we were just trying to transition into college in general. So I don't think we had so much being thrown at us, but first looking back, right? yeah, first trip, first game, it was like, you were so, I was so worried about playing well, you know, some of the cultural things might have just flew over my head, but like, man, that was such a gr- cool opportunity. There's a million, man. I can't, I can't pinpoint one, but those are definitely some of them. You guys played Stanford on that trip, right? Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, and you touched on it. So you you have a you have a good relationship with Mie, right? Who played at Yale and now is playing yep. with the Jazz. So that I I guess that probably added some intensity to those Yale experiences. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess let's talk a little bit about what you guys are up to. You know, maybe we could start with you, Christian, because you were overseas kind of first. You're the you're the number one pick in the, in the VBA draft. Yeah. No, number we got a number one draft pick on the call so maybe you want to talk a little bit about talk about where the team like just let people know like where in vietnam the team is like how you guys did and, and just how that was for you the how the first season was man it was such a it was such a cool experience because i guess bake can testify to the other side of this this was like a place where i obviously have heritage my mom is vietnamese and i actually didn't fully understand the weight that or the attention that me and my brother have already garnered here I had no idea. And I'm like, I'll never forget. I walked out of quarantine. This quarantine place is like two hours from the city. And there was cameras and video people. Like, it was ridiculous. I didn't know what I was walking into. And uh, it kind of was like a show from the moment I got out of there. And uh, it was just such a cool experience, man. It's nothing that I, way better than I thought. The city's so amazing. So I'm in Saigon, also Ho Chi Minh City. So I'll play for the Saigon Heat. And they had just come off a championship. But I was in a unique situation because it was just like, I was kind of expected. Given the resume, right? Like basketball is so much, so less, you know, it's just not as advanced as what, what we're used to. So I was really expected to win. So actually winning that championship, it was still tough. But winning that championship was uh, almost a sigh of relief. Yeah, man, it was it was cool. I got to, I mean, I signed with Nike. I got to kind of check off some of these childhood dreams of mine while coming over here so it was really really cool that's awesome and we'll maybe come back to some of the stuff you mentioned at the end a little bit later Mm -hmm. but just pivoting back to you rob you know as your journey into pro basketball starting what's that been like how's slovakia been like what's the basketball like you know culturally court covid all of that so number one it was the flight to get here was over 10 like 10 12 hours um I'm flying to Istanbul, then I gotta fly to Vienna, then I gotta drive four hours up a mountain to get here. It was it was so much. It was a lot. <laughs> and then on top of that, I had to quarantine in this room for a week. No, no McDonald's, no, no Chick-fil-A, no, no burgers, no nothing, no Zach, nothing, bro. I'm in here. They give me rice and, and chicken every day. <laughs> and let me make a quick stop for the for the listeners. I don't think you guys understand the significance that like Chick-fil-A and some of these other franchises hold in Bake's heart. So like, just so everyone knows, this is a very serious absence in his life. Okay, go ahead. No juice, no, like they, it was, it was tough. It was rice, chicken, water, bro, every day. And it was, it was a tough one. It was a tough first week, but, um, you know, I got out of quarantine. First thing I did was go to the store, get some, get some ham and cheese, make a couple sandwiches and stuff, you know, so. But after that, you know, finally got to go to practice with my uh, my teammates and everything, and it's it's um it's thirteen total guys and then four Americans. And the Amer- Americans really good players. Even the the guys here really good players. Really good young guys on our team. So, like the organization will be good for years to come. 
And yeah, I learned a lot about, about European basketball and how like they take it very seriously no matter where you're at. It, it seems like, um, you know, going to every team we go against, like, I'm like the center over here. So no, none of that stretch four stuff, even though you're not kind of space out when I want to. But every guy, my matchup is always a seven foot uh, Slovakian center, seven two Slovakian dude. Like these, it's, it's different. It's different for sure. I didn't expect that that part because obviously I didn't have time to do any research or anything. It just threw me out in the fire. Figure out as you go, um, but yeah, everybody's been so so helpful in my transition. Everybody here, the, the GM and the coach, and especially my my teammates. So I'm just really happy that they're here to do this with them. So. Well, that's awesome. It looks like from from what yeah. I've seen from social media and and your stat yeah. sheet, everything's looking pretty good for now. So definitely. yeah, good start. Definitely a good start. That's great. Yeah. Just to you know, pivot back, Christian, you mentioned something. So talked about the fact that you're kind of transitioning away from basketball into the fintech yeah. space, which you said. But I'm curious to talk about this, but could you maybe elaborate and explain to kind of the listeners about how your situation with Nike came to be and, and you know, kind of what that meant to you and kind of how that went? Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, growing up and you write those checklists and like when you're first, second, third grade about what you want to be. And obviously pro was one of them. You know, having a, a Nike contract was, you know, one of those check boxes. And so, like, there's also a cool collab we did with this this brand, a local brand called Hamero. So we got to do my own line with that. And some of those things are just, they're hard to even imagine. And then so for me to, obviously, you look back exactly a year ago and everything is just down and out and you don't know what's coming next. And then so within that calendar year for, but well, by the end of 2020, actually, all that happened. So a flower, you know, growing in the dark. So it was just, it was really, really cool to experience that and to kind of check those boxes, like you said. But how it came about, I don't know, man. I think, I think I forgot. They reached out maybe midway through the season for the Nike one. Everything kind of blossomed just playing well. Like the debut went better than I could have ever hoped for. Crazy. (laughs) I think it was like a 30 plus point performance. It had a crazy win. It was really, really cool. So I think that kind of put everyone on notice. Like if if anyone ever got to watch a game of me out here, I don't think they would have recognized me. It wasn't the same, wasn't the same guard. <laughs> it wasn't the same type of playing style they might have seen uh, at Levitis. So it was kind of cool to get back to like like the high school, the high school me. But at the same time, I will say there's nothing that can ever compare with leading leading those guys um, back at school. Like that group was just so special and playing the role that I got to play and everything was just, there's nothing that compares to that, but this experience has been second to none as well. So. Do you mean, you mean like when you talk about what it's like over there, you mean just like the basketball style is loose and fast paced when you say it's like high school? Um, I just had the green, like it was just like, I was like more like a juicy Aiken. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like the rent, like I'm shooting, I'm shooting things from, from Aiken range. Shout out my man Bryce. Like it was just come down and and just let it go, man. So Rob, you know, while while Christian is kind of transitioning out of basketball, you're getting started with it. Is kind of your hope? Would your hope to be kind of to play over there and then come back over here and maybe catch on in the G League? Like, what do you think? I mean, we'll see how the, the future future unfolds. It's kind of tough to say right now. But obviously, you know, this obviously your goal to you know play you know in America in the NBA in the G League or my at least my goal for right now. You know, seven foot, my knees still feel good. I can still shoot. I think I still think I can get there, you know, given the right situation. But right now I'm here, I'm 10 toes. I'm 10 toes. I'm trying to win the championship. You know, like Jews got to do this thing worldwide, right? So. 
and work wise now you you want to talk a little bit about like what you're up to just just for people to understand like just tra- one one season he was a one and done in the VBA one and done baby one and done get the <laughs> ship which sounded kind of stressful given the the weight of expectations on you guys and now you're working in fintech yeah yeah so it's a little mix of everything it's actually a Harvard alumni his name's Henry Wynn and he was actually the reason I came out here the basketball was just a cool plus. Yeah, so he's been a mentor of mine for the last couple of years. I did an internship out here with him two summers. Yeah, after my sophomore summer, and then that blossomed into what we're doing now. So he has his hands in everything. He's like a McDonald's global franchisee and LAFC, the new MLS team, owner of that. Just has his hands everywhere. So it's a really cool guy to learn from. And then specifically, I'm in his venture capital and fintech arm. So just been trying to learn a lot in that space, man, and just kind of Basketball was my first 20, and it gave me my best friends, best memories, took me around the world, and was a therapist during hard times. It was just everything for me, and I'm eternally grateful for the you know the 20 years that it gave me, and now I'm kind of setting myself up for the next 20. So a really cool transitional space to be in, and what I never thought it would be across the world in Vietnam, but I don't think anyone thought we'd be in a global pandemic either, and it helps that you know there's no COVID over here, so it's completely open and really really cool and everything's uh, everything's open like there's like i'm not don't have to wear a mask or anything it's crazy man just a really unique situation to be living in an emerging market and just everything happens so quickly over here it's just so different so yeah man that's the space i'm in right now and really excited about it baker what's what's like the day-to-day life look like in slovakia like or is it with covid with like with basketball with we're actually we're actually on like a like a soft lockdown kind of thing too there's like there was talks of the cases got going up, but had to shut the league down. But I think that was, that was a couple of weeks ago, so I think we're kind of kind of past that part now. But still, like a soft lockdown, uh, curfew and stuff. They moved up our evening practice. They moved it up to four thirty, so everybody gets home in time and you know things like that. So yeah, I mean, practice twice a day. Practice in the morning, practice in the in the evening, and shower, sleep, repeat. You know, so. And when playoffs start, when next next week? Start uh probably April fifteenth, something like that. April, probably April thirteenth, I think. So yeah, really exciting time for for this for this group of guys over here for us. How would you compare like the intensity of like you know your first professional season playoffs? How would you compare that to like I don't know like the Ivy League tournament? Obviously, they're very different in some respects. Uh, I don't know if you could. It's not really. There's no fans in the in the stadium, so that kind of takes away from a little bit. Uh, but out here, it's like it's kind of like the Ivy League. Not I mean, I, let me take that back. Because out here right now, there's like eight teams, eight teams in the league. Because usually there'll be twelve, but since COVID, a couple teams shut down. You know that kind of thing. So there's eight teams in the league, and you're still playing forty something games. So teams have played each other six, seven, sometimes eight times. You know, going into the going into the playoffs. So everybody knows everybody's plays. Oh no! All personnel strengths, weaknesses, and that that kind of adds to my value as well. You know, being a new guy, getting a good amount of minutes is something that they haven't seen. Oh, so I think that has to do with our success right now, and hopefully we keep that going into the playoffs. But in terms of intensity, uh, comparing it to the Ivy League, like I said, there's no fans, so it's kind of hard to compare. But in terms of familiarity, uh, that's right on par. It's not way crazier than the Ivy League. Uh, so in scouting, all that kind of stuff, it's it's. It's really, really taken really seriously over here. So, and I guess kind of to, to kind of move towards kind of wrapping this up, I, I'm curious, like what kind of your relationship to the program Harvard basketball is now. Like, obviously, you guys touched on 
watching Bryce and Seth play. Obviously, Seth and Ohio State was the were the first victims of Oral Roberts' Cinderella run. But like, what kind of your relationship, whether it's to the coaches and the players now? You know, obviously, I know that like the, the guys in my class have been thinking and, and have made decisions to like grad transfer uh, with their eligibility yeah. and just kind of what, if any, kind of relationship you guys have to the to the Harvard basketball program right now. I'm just curious for your teammates in your year. Oh, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm still in group chats and stuff and everything. I'm still in group chat with my young with the young guys uh, with Nilo, Rio, and uh, and Kel. We talk a lot. Yeah, I mean, just staying in tune with with you know Kirkwood too. Talking to him every once in a while. I play Fortnite with him. So it's cool just being able to still still talk to guys, see what they're doing, see what they're thinking, uh, how they are mentally, how they're handling everything, going through the you know grad decisions and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's it's cool. and then Satsuki, the coaches, calls the coaches on on Instagram. You like swipe up every once in a while and you know telling them doing a good job and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I, mean, I still try to still try to you know stay in tune while I'm young. Once I get like thirty, then kind of got let it go a little bit, but. You know, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still kind of, I'm still trying to be, you know, involved where I can and everything. So it's cool. What about you, Christian? I have a huge, I don't know. I, I felt this way when I was there. Like I have this, this huge attachment to the program and, and everybody, and everybody in it. And I think Coach Soski, like obviously bumping off bake, the, the group chats, the Snapchat groups, you got all that still going on. But I think that Coach Soski, has a great quote so shout out coach Sot. but he talked about you know your impact on the program obviously there's points scored there's games won and championships and all that stuff but it's really about the dna that you leave with the program after you leave and so like my only hope is that i guess one of the examples might be just everyone screaming and talking to each other during jump ropes and and things like that that you hope that you leave and the young guys pick up on and, and keep going as tradition and i feel like there's certain young guys who I really saw myself in, like a Edon and stuff like that. So well, I'm just Don, trying to shout out Don. I didn't yeah, shout out Don. Shout out Don. Yeah. And there's a bunch of them. I mean, I'm just naming him, but making sure that I still, especially as things start to ramp up and they get back into their season, hopefully next year, just trying to be a, a resource at this point. You don't want to over. You don't want to overdo it. Yeah, you don't want to overdo it, but I hope that I hope this is, and if they're all, any of them's listening, you know, I'm always a, a phone call away and a resource for them. Cause I remember just the older guys had that impact on me. So whether I'm there or not, you know, just trying to be a big brother to them and someone who's gone through all the ups and downs of a season. So that's kind of my, my role at, at the, at the moment, just, just being there for them and helping them out as much as I can. Yeah. I'd imagine the season has been tough just to have to sit out and watch kind of all the other leagues be playing and, you know, especially given that we have still yet to host that Ivy League tournament that's been promised. Man. I think next Man. year, they said officially next year it's going to be here in Cambridge. So, you know. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> we'll believe it when we see the tournament being played at Levitis. Thank you guys for taking time out of your days to talk to me. Appreciate you having us, man. No problem, anytime. Thank you for listening to the second episode of The River Rundown from the Harvard Crimson. This has been your host, Amir Ramdani, with guests Christian Juzang and Robert Baker. This podcast is edited by Zing G. New episodes release every other week on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. See you on April 17th.